This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. This is our third week in this series called Life in the Spirit. And I'm going to just pick up where I left off last week and continue along the lines of a sub-thought, a sub-topic of a continuing journey. So what I want you to do today, I want you to turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 2. And while you turn to Acts, I've got to say some hellos and some welcomes. Uh, friends of mine, and especially Denora, uh, her friends Julie and Leah uh, slid in to be in church today. And they too have a newborn. Little Campbell is with us today. And these are friends of Denora from work, and we just thank them for spending a Sunday with us today, and God bless them. And then right here on the front row, my good friends from out of town, uh, the Stanette family, Paul and his family are with us, and it means a lot to me that they would come in and spend Father's Day with us as well. We welcome them. You know they're good friends when they sit on the front row. I've known some of you 17 years, Wayne Max, when you can't get off the back row. Anybody that donated so much stuff to the church golf tournament yesterday, I shouldn't be that hard on them, right? Go easy on Wayne, but he is what I said he is, and that's a friend, and I'm just having fun with him today. Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent. Let's just stop there. Repent. It's a word that's thrown around loosely and kind of fun at times. Like a great example of this being a casual, fun use of the word repent would be this. There's a friend of ours that's visiting today. His name's Stan. And Stan is uh, Justin Andrews' brother. And Stan was in the golf tournament yesterday. He won the long drive contest, and he hit it so far past everyone else, I think he needs to repent. (laughs) Because there's nothing godly about hitting it that far. Makes me think he hit it, picked it up, and threw it. He needs to repent. Now, that's just a fun use of the word. Obviously, there's something far more serious going on here than just Stan's ability to throw a golf ball that far. Repent is real easy. We don't need to overcomplicate this. Grandma has a tendency to really make this difficult. Repent, it just means turn and stop doing what you've been doing. Stop going where you've been going because where you're going is down the wrong path. And you need to turn to God and give God a chance in your life and not take everything in your life into your own hands because I know it's easier that way. We're selfish. We think we've got it all together. So we kind of pick our path and go down that path. But the word repent really means lay all that down. Let's turn around and let's give God a chance. Okay? So this is what he says. He says repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. 
And with many other words, I love that. And with many other words, then why didn't they put them in there? I don't know if you're like this at all. I know we're all different. I'm one of those that I've got to be in the know. I've got to be in the loop. It drives me crazy to walk into a conversation and I don't know what's being said. My insecurities go through the roof and I want to know what's wrong, what's going on. What are you talking about? Is it me or somebody else? If it's somebody else, I want to talk about them too. If it's me, you need to back off and I need to know what you've been talking about. What's going on? Tell me what you know now. And the Nora's constantly like, you need to relax. It's not about you, Tommy. And you think it's all about you. Well, right now it is about me. I want to know what's going on. What's up with this cat saying and with many other words, but they're not telling us what the many other words are. When I get to heaven, I'm going to straighten it out. I'm going to pull Pete to the side and I'm going to say, listen, Pete. Pete, you had some other stuff going on in Acts 2. I need to know what it was. Pete's going to say, dude, that was a long time ago. Let it go. And I'm going to say, Pete, you and Denora need to back off. I want to know what were those other words. But we don't know him right now. We just know there was other words. And he testified, he exhorted, saying, we do know this. It says, save yourselves from this untoward generation. In other words, repent. Repent. And the big verses for the day is 41 and 42. Then they gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls and they continued. Everyone say continued. They continued. There wasn't a, a is there any, I know there's a few runners here. Uh, I don't claim to be a runner. Don't really see me ever being a runner. Running's work, it's hard. Get tired, cramps, sweating. Not gonna run. But a few of you have ran. Anthony and Aaron on the front row. Aaron's a runner. At the end of the race, there's that tape, and you break the tape, you've completed your race, you go get some water, and then you go get a cupcake to celebrate. This is really interesting. They didn't finish their race and call it a day. They continued. It's real easy. They weren't done. They had not yet arrived. It wasn't over. They didn't get their trophy Uh, They didn't get to take a break. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, this is going to get cool. Go all the way over to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Some believe this was as early as 30 years later. And there's even some that feel it may have been around 40 years later from what we just read. What have they been doing all of these years? Continuing. Continuing doing what? In the apostles' doctrine, breaking of bread, fellowship, and praying. Meaning what? They've basically been starting churches They've been winning people to God. What they've been doing for 30 or 40 years, they've been getting uh, this person 
introduced to Jesus Christ, this person, and now they've got three or four people that have been introduced to Christ. So, you know, let's just kind of make this up. I'm, I'm going to take my liberty. They start the children's program. They start the choir. They get the band. They maybe rent a, a building. They establish leadership team. They get them a pastor. And then they what? They continue on. They really show us the big difference in the early church's model and our model. Our model, and this is not me beating up on the church, but our model really is we get saved, we come to church, and we make sure that no one else sits in our pew. And we just kind of settle because we've crossed the tape, we've arrived, and we're done. The early church model was they get saved and they go find other people to lead to salvation. And after they do that, they go find someone else. They find someone else. It never stops. It's a continuation of what they've experienced. To whom much is given, much is required. They saw to it that they never got comfortable in their salvation. It meant so much to them that they couldn't help but tell somebody else about it. Are you tracking with me? So 30, 40, you pick, however many years later, chapter 19 starts out like this. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, you may have heard in the New Testament or you've read from a book called Corinthians, this was a church that they had established. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. This was Ephesians. It's another church they had started. Only thing they've been doing were leading people to Christ and planting churches and starting groups and putting pastors in leadership. But then it says something cool. And finding certain disciples. Disciples are followers of Christ. Disciples are men and women that completely walked away from, from their selfish lifestyles and they have uh, given themselves over to the governing power of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And when he had come upon these disciples, he said to them, Hey, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Since you, since you have placed your faith in the grace of Jesus Christ, since you have confessed with your mouth and since you have believed in your heart, since you've made him your Lord and Savior, I've got to ask you though, since then, have you received the Holy Ghost? And I love how these cats responded with honesty. There's nothing wrong with honesty. Everything's right about honesty. These guys said, we have not even heard of such thing as a Holy Ghost. And I know where I'm at today. Last Sunday, in a weird, unique, Tommy way, I tried to help some of you that grew up the way I grew up. Today, I want to help some of you that have absolutely fallen in love with Jesus Christ. You've given your full life over to him. You are following him. But if I were to ask you the question that these disciples were asked, have you received the Holy Ghost? You would probably say the same thing they said, and there's nothing wrong with that answer. I'm really not sure what you're talking about. There's nothing wrong with being honest. And today I know that there's a lot of honest people here 
that have just yet to understand what this Holy Spirit talk is all about. How I want to approach this topic today is with the word baptism. Everybody say it out loud. Say baptism. You and I, uh, we're, we're today, we're in Fort Worth. Man, we are in the core, the heart of the Bible Belt. We are in Christianville. You and I, if you're from here, you will totally understand this. If you're not from here, we welcome you to the promised land called Fort Worth, Texas. And we welcome you with open arms. It's time that you came from the northern uh, tundra down to salvation property. And we thank you for being with us. But if you're from the south or if you're from the Bible Belt, when you hear the word baptism, it's only natural for you to connect it with what's behind this wall. And you can see a little microphone sticking up. Well, right over that ledge is a tank of water. And it's what we call in, the, in this church the baptismal tank. You would probably, when you hear the word baptism, you would probably connect it to water baptism. That's a natural response. And water baptism is something that we celebrate. It's something that, 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 that I have participated in. And it's also something that you see. That's why you connect well with it. You see it. You've, you've, you've watched it happen or maybe you've already uh, experienced it in your life. But it's real easy to talk about because we all get it. You've seen it. But there are other baptisms in the scriptures that are a little bit more obscure because you can't quite see it, so it's a little more difficult to connect with, but they are definitely baptisms that you need to be familiar with. Now, we can't go any further until we're all making sure we're on the same, uh, on the same page with the word baptism. Again, if I were to bump into you at Target and not know you and say, hello, sir, my name is Tommy, and I'm with ChristianTV.com, and what is baptism? You would probably talk about water baptism. And it's only natural. But let me help you with this word baptism. Baptizo. Baptizo. Really means immersion. It means to be covered. It means submerged. It doesn't necessarily mean water immersion. It just means immersion. Let me explain this. You could be immersed in a sport. You could be immersed in a thought. You could be immersed with someone's love. It's Father's Day, and all of us are, are, are doing what we know how to do the best that we can to celebrate Father's Day. Well, if your father is still with you and there's a good, healthy relationship, more than likely you're immersed with the love of a dad. You're covered. You're submerged in it. You're, you, you, you can't get out from under it. You, you, you have that type of immersion going on. So the word immerse is bigger than just water. So... Uh, there's other immersions, there's other coverings, there are other submergings in Scripture that you and I need to be familiar with because they're extremely beneficial, some even linking you to your very salvation, and you need to be familiar with it. So here are the two that you can't see with your eyes that I want to talk about just for a few minutes on this Father's Day. And, there, and there's a distinction, and it's only two letters, and that's all, just two letters, but boy, are they big words, and they are this. The baptism of, O-F, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, the baptism in, I-N, in the Holy Spirit. And you need to catch this today. 
And for the last few weeks and even today, I know it's more of a teaching style. And some of you really love the preaching style. Uh, Only thing I can say is, you know, stay awake. Try to stay engaged. Come back next week and I'll scream a little bit and sweat and we'll have like preaching. But until then, it's important that you catch this. Are you with me today? Look at 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by, everyone say by. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. Now, before we deal with four by one spirit, which is where I'm going, I gotta get you in the loop on what this into one body means. Here's what we're really bad about in the Christian church. We're bad about having our own language. I'm from Louisiana. We have our own language. Some of you are from the north. You're an alien, and you have your own language. I'll never forget being in Wisconsin. I went into a drugstore, and all I wanted to buy was like a drink or something. And the lady said, "Uh, did you want to be egg with that? And I said, I'm sorry? Did you want to be egg with that? One more time. Did you want being with that? I said, ma'am, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and she takes a bag out from the counter. She goes, do you want to being with that? <laughs> I said, dude, I have no idea where you came from, but it is not earth. <laughs> it's a bag. It's not a being. <laughs> so we all have our own language. Are you tracking with me? God bless you all from other places. But we all have our own language. The problem with the Christian church is we have our own language. You know, we say that we're baptized into one body. All of a sudden, somebody thinks that we are immersed into a body. How do I get into that guy's body? How do I get into that body, that body? Actually, what it's talking about is a family of God. The body is the church. It's a little confusing. I get it, so that's why I'm telling you about it. My last name is Brandon. I'm a part of the body of people that have that name. I'm a part of that family. Well, when you're you're baptized, again, by that, let me have that scripture again, for by one spirit, you're baptized into the body. What is that body? The body of Christ. You're baptized into the body of Christ. Now, back to the important part, for by one spirit. I'm not the sharpest guy when it comes to grammar. Always get intimidated with my public speaking when you have people like Sherry Lyles on the front row. And then, of course, you got Sherry Lyles on steroids named Allison Andrews. And then you've got a whole church full of school teachers. And they're constantly saying, I can't believe he's using that poor grammar. Man, give me a break. I can't even spell grammar, much know what it means. But I am smart enough to know what this means. For by one spirit. I do know that there's something happening and I do know who's doing it. There's some baptizing going on. Which is what? Immersing, covering, submerging, connecting. And I do see who's doing it. And it's the spirit of God. So Uh, You know, the reason that I don't homeschool my kids is because if my daughters were to say, what's this mean? I would say, well, I just know who's doing the doing. The Holy Spirit's doing the doing. 
The Holy Spirit's doing the baptizing. The Spirit of God is baptizing someone into the body of Christ. Now, let me break this down and help you out with this. Stay with me. Some of you are drifting, and I need you to come home to Daddy real quick. Y'all stay with me for a minute. You ready? Watch this. This is awesome. If you are a sinner, and that's a strong word, and I know it's unpopular to say something so strong, but if you're apart from Jesus Christ, if you have yet to come to him and declare him as your Lord and Savior, you are lost without Christ. You're a sinner. If you are that guy or that lady, what that means is you're doing life your own way. You're in sin. A sinner never just wakes up on a Tuesday morning and says, you know what, I'm tired of having fun. I'm tired of drinking. I'm tired of, of, of cheating. I'm tired of lying. I think it's time that I kind of change my ways and become a Christian. It doesn't happen that way. What happens is a sinner has this area in their lives that the Holy Spirit begins to pull on and tug on, and it allows that individual to recognize that there's a better way, that there's a Christ way. Here's what the Bible says in John 6. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. How a man or a woman or a student has a wake-up call and says, I think I need to change the way I've been living. It's not because of the, the DWI. It's not because of the arrest. It's not because of the bankruptcy, because of the drug addiction. There's something greater at hand. Those are all things that we see. Those are things that's just common sense. We're spending a fortune on alcohol. That's common sense. But that's still not going to wake up the alcoholic or the drug addict. What happens, ladies and gentlemen, is there's a drawing in their spirit from the Holy Spirit. This is what the Bible says in Romans 2 and verse 4. Knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The goodness of God, the drawing of the Spirit of God pulls a man off of a bar stool, out of a bed of adultery, out of a drug house, this way to repentance It's the wooing, the calling, the begging, the pleading, the tap on the shoulder. It's the attention-grabbing power of the Spirit of God. This is... This is the inward work of the Holy Spirit. It's what I call the within. It's going on on the inside. It's not on the outside, ladies and gentlemen. What happens on the outside is grandma saying, you need to put that bottle down and get to church. That never works. What goes on the outside is a preacher screaming at them, you're going to burn in a lake of fire. That never really works. It may work for a moment of prayer, but not for a real heart change. The only time a person really changes and repents, meaning turns their life around, is because the Spirit, Spirit gets inside them and it has this within draw and the goodness of God says there's something better and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of that 
tender heart and late in the midnight hour at the point of death, that man or woman says, you know what, I need to give God a chance. And the goodness of the Lord brings that man or woman or student to a place of change. This is the within work of the Spirit of God. You didn't just have a good thought to change your ways. It's the work of the Spirit. This is so connected to grace. Titus chapter 2. Titus 2 says in verse 11, becoming one of my all-time favorite scriptures, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. Grace is a teacher. (laughs) The law is a schoolmaster that will crack your head open with a ruler. But grace says, let's talk about this. Not here to beat you up. I'm here to show you a better way. And grace teaches us that denying ungodliness, denying worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, godly, When? In this present world. But what we get tricked up with, we think there's no way to live soberly and righteously and godly in this world. Maybe in the 40s, but not in this world. But the Word of God says, in this world, you can live soberly, righteously, godly. You can live a life that's pleasing to God in this world. And then it goes on in chapter 3, verse 3. The within experience is unveiled to us and revealed to us even more. For we ourselves were also sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful, and hating one another. Oh, but look at verse 4. But after the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared. You could say it this way. But after grace got a hold of my life. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to understand something. There's not a single individual in this room, however long you've been loving and following God, you were not that good. You were full of envy. You were full of hate. You were full of malice. You were, you were, you were an awful sinner. But because of grace, God's changed your ways. And the drawing and the pulling and the inward work of the Spirit of God has gotten you off the bar stool. It's brought you out of the bed of infidelity. It's got you out of the, uh, the, the jail cell that line got you into. And it's turned you around. The grace of God has taught you how to live a better life. Somebody clap your hands to Jesus this morning. How many of you are thankful? Uh, how many of you are thankful for that? How many of you honestly remember where he found you and how, how far lost you really were? You know, don't become, so, don't become so self-righteous in your Christian ways that you forget you were just like those people you've been cracking on. You were just like those people. You were one step away from being an addict. You, were, you probably were an addict. You were one step away from being a liar. You probably were a liar. But because of grace, because of the drawing inward within work of the Holy Spirit, you're sitting in a church service today. Somebody needs to thank the Lord just one more time for the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. 
Again, this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's different than the baptism in. This is the baptism of. This is where the Holy Spirit does the work. And if you grew up around a spirit-filled life like I have, oftentimes you're not really sure the differences. And we just toss those little words out. We're never really clear on what we're trying to communicate. We just know we've been touched by the power of God. But it gets lost in our communication. So I want to help you understand, this is the inward work of the Spirit at the point of you confessing the Lord as your Savior and at the point of you believing in your heart, the work of the Holy Spirit did that for you. It wasn't done on your own. Or if it was, that would have been your works. That would have been you adding something on top of what Jesus did. And we know that's not biblically sound. The biblical sound or the biblical formula is that you simply lay yourself down and become a product of grace. And we can't, we can't be guilty of saying that we did anything for that. Salvation is because of what Jesus did, not because you're a cool guy. It's because of what Jesus did. Somebody say amen. Amen. So, now to this other point of baptism. And that's the one that all of us are familiar with. Water baptism. And the coolest thing happened in the first service. When I talked about this, uh, someone wanted to be water baptized right then and there. And, and I have a feeling there are others here today that are ready to take this step. But let me explain what happens. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you come under his covering and his lordship his salvation is is a gift that's imparted unto you what happens is that we oftentimes allow something that's done privately in our heart never to become public now let me help you understand this this is really cool stuff and you got to catch it while you're while you're with me today watch this we celebrate so much water baptism and i think i know why it's because we see it and, and all of us are not perfect in here. Got a news break. None of us are perfect in here. So what happens, we celebrate the water baptism because we think that we can put our sign of approval that they've done something for Jesus. Whereas the real celebration, according to the Bible, happened earlier when a person repented. Again, when they made that turn Heaven had a party. But we don't see that, so we're not sure where the party is and who the party's for. Because we're thinking we need to be in the loop. It's like walking up on the conversation and there's big laughter. The joke was hilarious, but it's not funny to us because we didn't hear the joke. I want to know the joke. What's so funny? <laughs> At least let us get our laugh out. Hold on. No, I want it now. Well, Heaven celebrating when one sinner repents. We are like, all right, y'all get the party ready because when we see what they do, then we're going to celebrate. And it's only natural. I'm not here to beat anybody up. I've done it. We celebrate 13 people being water baptized last Sunday. It's easily celebrated because we see it. And we can say, we can put that sign of approval on them. But the real party was well before that. The real party was in heaven when they made a life change. Can I have an amen this morning? So let's talk about, let's talk about water baptism. I do a lot of weddings. 
Stephanie and I have been texting so often lately about this uh, fun thing that I've gotten myself into. Um, my dad was so concerned. My, my mother and father, they, they are the greatest uh, covering in my life, and they're always, they, every sermon, they're nervous. They're nervous during my sermons because they want me to be successful. They want me to thrive. They want me to grow, and every time I tell something a little crazy, they get nervous, and I made this big statement like a couple months ago. I said, I'm done doing weddings of people I don't know. I'm done with it. Every Saturday's taken away from my children. I don't have a home life anymore. My family's crumbling all because of these dumb weddings. And my dad's like, man, you got to be careful because people want you to do their wedding. And now they're going to think you don't love them. And when they don't think you love them, they're going to leave. And then if they leave, I'm leaving. Well, what happened from that one statement over the pulpit is I've had people come to me now where they used to come in and be like, oh, by the way, June 12th, you're doing my wedding. Cool. Now it's like, uh, can we talk to you? Uh, we know you got family and we know your wife loves you and you love your wife and you got kids to raise, but we really want to get married. We can do it in 2023 if that's cool with you. And they're so tentative, worried about me saying no. Well, I've had to decline. This is terrible timing, but I've declined like three or four weddings in the last two weeks. And it's, it's, it's crazy. Well, Stephanie, she hammers down on me. She's like, so you've been turning people down on the weddings? And I'm like, Stephanie, you ain't going to believe it. I have. It's terrible, but it's not because I want to. There really is real, honest, legitimate schedule conflicts. So now every time I have to decline a wedding, I'm like, hey, Steph, there's one more down. Ha, ha, ha. Well, I do a lot of weddings, right? And I've learned how to do weddings from my pastor, the greatest wedding preacher that's ever lived. And what we do during weddings in our culture, there's a middle part of the wedding that's super cool. And it's extremely public. It's like the big public statement of the wedding. We know the groom and the bride, they love each other. We know that because she said, I do. We know they love each other because they've spent a fortune on this wedding. We know they love each other because neither of them ran to Mexico the morning of the wedding. They're at the wedding altar. It's real. We also know they love each other in the part of the ceremony where they share their vows. That's where it really happens. It doesn't really happen when I put my signature on the license. It happened well before that. It happened when they said, I do. They confessed that love to one another. But you know what I do in every wedding? I say, let me have the rings. Now, if you're married today and you have a wedding band don't, I want you to take it off. And I know that's scary for some of y'all. It's been 25 years and you're like, I can't get that ring off. <laughs> but I want you to take your ring off. And I just want to show you something. This tells your audience we mean business. This is going public with what my heart says. My heart tells her I love her. My heart tells him I love him. But now, when I go to work Monday, they're going to know I mean business. This is private. This is public. Heaven celebrates what's going on in private in the heart of a man or a woman or a student. The church celebrates what happens in public. 
we don't know where a person's heart is, Janae, but we get all worked up and want to have a party when we see it in the flesh with our physical eyes, the immersion of water. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're here today and you love God, you love him with all of your heart, but for some reason, it could have been something really as easy as a schedule conflict, and it does happen. But for some reason, you've never gone public. You've never had the wedding band of Christianity, water baptism. I would love to baptize you today. You may say, but I didn't see that coming. You don't have to see it coming. Are you wanting to be public with this relationship? Are you proud of the relationship? Today, on a spontaneous Father's Day, you could honor the Father like never before by taking on the name of the Lord in baptism and into that body, into the church. And I know I'm setting myself up here, but I feel like somebody's ready to make that decision. All I'm asking you right now, if you would like to do that today, would you lift your hand real quick? We have everything you need. Thank you. God bless you. Is there anyone else that would like to be baptized today by water? Somebody's pointing over right here. God bless you. Is there anyone else that would like to take that step today? I know it's out of nowhere. I know you didn't see it coming, but I'm just asking you, are you ready to kind of just go public with it? Is there anyone else? Pastor Anthony, at the end of this service, I'm gonna ask you and Aaron if the two of you could help us with that, make them comfortable and get them ready. I think that's worth celebrating. I want you to stand. There's a third baptism that you need to be aware of. Pastor Anthony and Aaron, if you guys could, if you could come right here, come right down this aisle, ma'am. We're gonna help you with that water baptism today. Pastor Aaron, could you greet her? There you go. I'm not ready to dismiss. There's something big that's gonna have to happen right here verbally. You guys can go ahead, Aaron. Everybody stay with me now. Stay with me right up here. There's a third baptism. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay? You gotta catch this. John says in chapter number one, verse 29, if you could help me with those scriptures. John, chapter number one, verse 29. And just stay with me while I read these. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and says, Behold the Lamb of God. If you were here last week, you remember this is the fulfillment of the Passover, the Feast of Passover. This is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John says that, you know, I've been baptizing people in water. I've been immersing, covering, submerging them in water because they have repented. They've believed that they needed a life change. This, for all of you deep thinkers, for those that really like Bible study, you gotta catch this. This is before the cross. This is before the cross. So they were doing the best they knew how to do at the time. But John, being the anointed man of God that he was, he said, I've been baptizing these people in water because they've repented. They didn't know what else to do. But I've come to tell you there's one greater coming. 
And he's going to baptize. He's going to do some doing. He's going to do some baptizing. He's going to do some immersing. But he's going to baptize you not in water, because that's what I've been doing, John speaking. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Let's recap 30 seconds. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that baptizes you or immerses you into the body of Christ. But Christ is the mighty baptizer in the Spirit. Let me put it in real good language. No one can baptize you in the Spirit of God other than God. I kind of grew up around a scene that they thought if you could only be prayed for by that one guy, that one preacher had that special prayer. <laughs> and I saw so many people walk away from that special preacher without the Spirit baptism. And it wasn't because of them. It wasn't because of the preacher. It was because of lack of understanding. Because they were under the impression that guy had magic in his hands. That's not biblical. John says, he's coming after me. The mighty baptizer of the Spirit. What's interesting is, as I told you last week, after his passion, after his death, his burial and resurrection, after that supernatural weekend, he stayed with them for 40 days. We think that his last words were the Great Commission. Go! Go and teach and preach and lead and make disciples, baptize people. Go and save the world. But his real last words were, you need to wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. And then you're going to go. If you go without the power of the Spirit, your works are going to be in vain. You're going to come up empty-handed because you're not smart enough, good enough to deal with the supernatural battle at hand, the mission of winning people to the, to the cross. You ready for this? Oh, here it comes. The within experience. This is the upon experience. In the Old Testament, there were prophets, there were judges, there were kings that had the Spirit of God come upon them, but it didn't stay in them. It only gave them power for a fight or gave them words of wisdom for a struggle. Jesus was the first one that had ever came upon him and remained in him. Therefore, he's the mighty baptizer of it. He never did a miracle before the baptism in the Spirit. But when the Spirit came on him, that's where his miracles and supernatural signs and wonders followed and here is the most unbelievable part. He says, you are going to even do greater than me. There's going to be more miracles, more signs and wonders. But you have to have the opponent experience before you go see those things happen. Pastor Ronnie Gonzalez is here today. Ronnie's been preaching almost every Tuesday morning. Every Tuesday morning he preaches over at the Hope Center. And there's food given out. And I love getting his text and updates when he tells me X amount of people, five people or eight people, X amount of people, they were baptized in the Spirit. It happens. That immersion, that covering, that submerging, it's for you. Some people want to say, well, I thought that was for me to 
make sure that my eternal life was in the right standing. You won't need the baptism of the Spirit in heaven. The baptism of the Spirit is for you now. The baptism in the Spirit is for us to live a successful, victorious life now. That within work, boy, that settles things for eternity. That upon work, that gets you through what we're in now. And I know this much. I look around a room today of businessmen, businesswomen. I look around the room today of fathers, mothers, husbands, and wives. Everything's going to go better for you if you have an endowment or an endowment of power. Because God's supernatural, and he intends you to live life at a supernatural level. If you always live life, Aaron, as we remind ourselves, if we just live life by based on what we see and what we know, we're going to be like little kids that get in trouble. But if we live supernaturally, we'll be led around obstacles, around dangers, and into victory. These are just immersions that you need to be aware of and that you need to participate in.